The views and opinions made by anyone on the IndyCast are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. Neither the IndyCast, the Cult of KFAB Entertainment Network, or any of its affiliates take any responsibility over the content of any statements or any of the opinions contained therein. The opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the IndyCast, the Cult of KFAB Entertainment Network, or any of its affiliates. The IndyCast is a podcast for adults, meaning that if you get offended by terms like fat finger blast, then you don't want to listen to this Cult of KFAB IndyCast. You're listening to the IndyCast, the most awesomely consistent independent wrestling podcast on the Cult of KFA Network. It's a free weekly show covering the spectrum of the independent wrestling scene. Now, prepare to put the mantis over huge with Chad Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. Greetings, everyone. Welcome once again to the IndyCast. Chad Allen, Zach Romero, no Luna Lynn today. It's a, it's no girls allowed cast. No girls yet. It's the... <laughs> It's the, uh, the, the boys uh, up in the treehouse show, apparently, today. Um, and today we, we have a guest with us. We're very excited about this guest. For those of you that are on our, uh, on our social media, you saw the hype, because if you've listened to this episode at all, or to these shows at all, yeah. you know I'm going to do my very best to not make this the Chris Farley show again. <laughs> um, this one will be difficult for me, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. Um, we have the, the War King. Mm-hmm. The, the last, last of, of a dying, dying breed. breed, the first Chikara Grand Champion. We have with us the one and only, and I can't wait to say this, Eddie Kingston is on the line with us today. What's going on, fellas? What is going on? Just get off the gym now. I'm online to get something to eat, something healthy, some grilled chicken or something. Now we're, okay, so we're... I can't believe so, me on the show. I can't believe myself online right now to try to get some grilled chicken. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so post eat, so grilled chicken, where, where are you getting chicken at? Where are you picking up food at? Picking up the healthy stuff. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, post gym. So nice. Post gym, I usually go get a double quarter pounder, but that yeah, probably like, this probably goes against why I'm not very good at the gym. So, <laughs> so uh, Eddie, before we get into uh, the the main topics of what brought you here in the first place, right? The the big uh, the big uh, Twitter controversy that you've been throwing around. We do need to get uh, certain <laughs> we need to get certain uh, business done right at the beginning. And that is for anybody who uh, who maybe doesn't know your whole history. We need like shame, shame on you. First yeah, first, off. yeah. But we need uh, we need just a quick kind of rundown of your origin in terms of where did you train? How did you get started? Give us the the origin story, and then we'll get to the fun stuff. All right. Well, yeah, I was uh, originally trained out in Jersey. Got kicked out of that school with uh, my old partner, Blackjack, and Jigsaw. Then me and uh, me, Jigsaw, and my old partner, Blackjack, found Chicago. We were always big fans of Mike Quackenbush and Michael Jute, so we went there, started training there, and, you know, Chris Hill came in to train. This is when I liked Chris Hill, so in other words, before he became a comeback, started hanging out with Chris Hero, and then he started taking us to, like, IWA Miss South, and then from there, uh, me and my partner Blackjack broke out to CEW, we split up, I went to Blackout, and then the rest is pretty much history. Now, that's the early, that's the early beginnings, that's like a quick five-year <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing this for fourteen. That's a quick five. That's, <laughs> now, I, I, now, I obviously, I have a bunch of. I, you can tell I'm excited about this episode because I have a bunch of research here, which is right. We've actually done work beforehand, yeah, um, which is shocking. I, and I, and I had read about you getting kicked out of your first school, and I'm interested in that one. What, what happened? Um, uh, it's 
this is pretty much the guy had his own way of thinking. And, uh, you know, in other words, his, his way of thinking was if it wasn't WWF or WWE, then it was nothing. And then I was very, I was 19, 20 years old coming first off the street. And I was like, hey, how about this guy? How about that guy? And I was like, you know what, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I was like, you can't tell me Eddie Gilbert ain't good. You can't tell me Kent the Kibashi's not good because they weren't in whatever. They didn't make a big name at WWF, whatever was going on at the time. You know what I mean? I understood some parts of what he was saying, but then other than that, he was also just, uh, just wasn't a really nice person. So, you know what I mean? And I heard later years that he kicked me, Jigsaw, and Blackjack out out of fear because he told him that you saw who, who knows what's true and what's not true. But, uh, yeah, we would have probably, well, I would have done probably something stupid, so thank God he kicked us out. <laughs> so there you go, the, uh, the, the chapter of, of, uh, of that five years is the time Eddie Gilbert got me kicked out of wrestling school. Right. basically how that broke But if out. somebody's going to do it, Eddie Gilbert's not a bad choice. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was just, I, I just remember the day I was talking about Eddie Gilbert, he said some shit, then a couple, like maybe a month or two later, I brought up the great Muda, Captain Kabashi, and Lafayette Chora being big, at, and Hashimoto being big, and Kawada, I could go on and on. But those were like big inspirations. Then he was also like, you know, school Japanese wrestling. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? That, <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if there's going to be, like, he's not even going to be open-minded to that. So I was like, you know what? Thank God he kicked us out. <laughs> now, did you, did you, uh, now as a kid, were you, a, were you a wrestling fan? Were you watching like old WWF or, or uh, NWA or yeah. uh, tape trading? Cool. A lot of J- Japan obviously uh, mentioned here. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I was a kid, I was a little hyper kid. So, uh, it was the only way my mother could keep me calm was uh, putting on wrestling tapes. So, she went to like this thing. This is when I was living in the Bronx. Uh, she would go to this store called Video Vision. This is before Blockbuster. So I'm dating myself, but she'd go to this place called Video Vision. And she would just grab whatever VHS was there that had wrestling on it. So some days I would get WWF, some days I would get NWA, some days I would get Memphis, whatever. She she didn't know, she just grabbed uh, whatever she could get. Oh, interesting that's that that worked out. Yeah, you get, and because and, then, that's actually very interesting, because as a kid, he was, you were getting a, a, a very much a ma- more major mix than what a lot of kids would be getting at that time frame, because um, I, I don't know how old you are exactly, but at the time, like when I was... Growing up, I and I'm about to turn forty this year. I had mostly WWE or WWF when I lived in Philadelphia, but then when we moved, um, it was NWA. So that's kind of how I got into, yeah. into both. So yeah, it was it was the same way. And also, uh, you know, growing up at the time, we didn't have cable. Cable wasn't a real big thing at the time in the Bronx, so it was just basically WWF. Um, you know, like there, like wrestling talents and superstars and stuff. And then, you know, like, whatever tapes my mother got me to keep me calm and shut me up <laughs> on the weekend. And then, uh, whenever football season came along, my father, he too, when I bring a story in, but he used to get illegal cable so you watch inside the NFL. So when we got illegal cable, I would, at least during the winter football years, I could see, but during football season, I could see, uh, NWA. So, I got to see that, like, at least until, like, January. From like December to January, I was able to get TBS and watch that. It was to say Super Bowl comes, you're like, damn it! I was I was involved in NWA. Yeah, yeah, I missed the whole summer. 
Oh, that's tragic. Well, that is tragic. The Bash was usually good shows, too. So, did yeah, you have anybody... Did you have anybody in particular that was, like, your favorite at, the, at, at an early age? Oh, uh, well, early, early age, before before I found uh, Eddie Gilbert. Uh, early, early age, man, is, uh, you know, everyone loved Hulk Hogan, but then I started realizing that he always won. <laughs> so, like, that kind of turned me off. Uh, really big in the macho room, because I really, as a kid, you know, you believe, and I really, really believed that he was trying to sleep with Miss Elizabeth, and that wasn't cool. You don't do that to another man's girl. So that, that was a big Macho Man fan. Hey, look. Um, Looking back nowadays, it could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Dusty Rhodes, of course, I loved as a kid. He was just so Yeah. Now you're obviously known very well for for you know your interview style and your mic work. Did you did you kind of pattern after anybody? Because you mentioned Dusty being such an amazing you know a mic person. Did, you know when you first started out, or is this just kind of you know for what you do? Is that just kind of you? Um, that just obviously um, they always say you turned up. Well, 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 when it comes when it comes to promos, man, like I have a lot of inspirations. Dusty, of course, is one. Mm. Uh, a lot of ECW guys. Well, three I can name off the top of my head, like Tommy Dreamer, Shane Douglas, and uh, Raven were real big inspirations on promo, promo wise. And like when I first started wrestling, I was like, how can I make it my own? And I would watch their stuff and see how they would try to capture people with what they were saying or and all that stuff. So Taz was another big one just because he was a New Yorker and I'm a New Yorker. So <laughs> as a New York thing, you kind of just go with that. But yeah, you, you, you try to, you know what I mean? Like, I try to make my promo style my own style, and people ask me what my character is. There's really no character to me when I was 17 years old. Just turned up a thousand notches for pro wrestling. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, um, my ending style, I really, really enjoyed the Memphis wrestling. Really enjoyed Lola and Gilbert. And, uh, Dundee is just real realistic and, the Bill Watts stuff I really enjoyed because that was, to me, that was so realistic. And like I said, the NWA and ECW, like to me, the feel more realistic. So I took that, but then, oh, the go to ECW, I found all Japan for wrestling and I kind of just gravitated towards Kobashi, Masawa, Kawada, and, uh, Akiyama and all those guys. So I try to mix, I try to tell people I try to mix Memphis and, that kind of style with the Japanese style to what I'm, especially the old Japan style, what I'm doing. And then it just becomes me. I just put my own flavor and own seasoning on it. And you mentioned that when you kind of made your way to Chikara that you were already a fan or at least knew about uh, Mike Quackenbush and, and, and at least enjoyed his work to some degree. And I actually, yeah, I have a question from our uh, missing uh, member of the show here, Luna. 
when it comes to Mike Quackenbush, oh, let me you, see if I have this here. Are you going to do this? Uh, are you going to do this to her? How does Mike Quackenbush <laughs> smell? That's, so, that's a question from her. Luna Luna has a thing for Mike Quackenbush, so you'll you'll have to pardon. God, 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 God bless you, Luna. Uh, Mike Quackenbush smells... Uh, you know you know you're the one that has to go home and like i gotta break i gotta break the news like he could. He was in the locker room. He couldn't spot what body wash Quack was using. I'm sorry. We'll work on it. Yeah. See, the we'll, funny part is, I was planning on doing it because the trouble I was going to get in was mild compared to what you're going to get in for it. Because you're married to her, you wacko. Um, kind of off of that, we had one of our one of our uh, uh, one of our listeners. We love our dozens of dozens. Uh, did ask what you thought your best match ever was. He he actually did mention that he thought that you versus Quackenbush for the Grand Champion was his favorite of yours, but do you have one that's been a, a favorite of yours thus far? The benchmark that you're going to top someday? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I always try to top things. Um, Man, I, to be honest with you, I, I got to go with the quack one. Uh, not just because I thought it was a good match. It was that, that was mainly just because of the situation uh, surrounding it with it being for the grand championship and Having uh, the tournament named after Larry Sweeney and having Larry Sweeney's family and friends there that night. So that one just because of the circumstances. Um, I really enjoyed my match with Sarah Del Rey. That could have always been better, but it, you know, really, I really enjoyed a lot of my championship matches, title defenses, whatever you want to call them. Of course, my match with Tommy Dreamer because it was, uh, it was very surreal. Uh, I had, I had a lot of fun with my shoes with uh, Silas Young. Well, I don't know, every time I stepped in the thing with Ethan Page or Josh Alexander, I enjoyed Michael Elgin at AIW when we uh, tied it up. So, yeah, no, I enjoy matches. I don't think they're all very good, but I enjoy them because I try to be perfect in the ring, but I think we all do. And uh, But, yeah, I got to say that Mike Glackenbush one is probably number one just because of the circumstances. Definitely, and um, you you kind of mentioned Larry Sweeney in that one. Obviously, um, anniversary of his sadly recently just just came up, and he was all over my Facebook feed, which was actually a lot of in a strange way for such a sad situation um, was a lot of fun because a lot of people were kind of reliving um, the life of Larry Sweeney, which I'm always of the belief that it's better to celebrate the man than than mourn the loss. Right. Um, any good Larry Sweeney stories? Because he definitely seems like, but just what we've saw from the character in front of us yeah, uh, yeah. was one thing, but the uh, character behind the curtain has to be something completely even beyond that. So, I'm I'm, I'm trying to think of a good TG story because there's some that you you may say yeah go ahead and say it it's just it's, it's just too it's too much. Me and Larry did a lot of <laughs> me and Alex did a lot of crazy things that we thought. Were funny. You gotta remember when we were on the road together for all those years and we were still in our mid twenties, you know, so we were still pretty immature. <laughs> uh, so we were kind of nuts, you know, especially after being in the car for 12 to 18 hours sometimes, you know, you gotta lose your mind. But, um, oh man, I just remember one time just 
him getting drunk in Philadelphia, and when he got drunk, he became uh, very lovey-dovey with everybody, so he's like hugging everybody, random people in the street, he's hugging he fell over a cone. I fell over a cone because we, we hugged each other, like joking around. It was just, uh, it was always a good time with him. It was never, I do not remember, I don't even remember arguing with him, to be honest with you. I, and I always argue with people who I call my friends it's just because that's the way I am, but I never, never had an argument with him, you know? He was just, uh, He's just a real down-to-earth, one-of-a-kind person. And, like, people say that about people who pass away, but I think if uh, he talked to, to, like, me, Jigsaw, Bright, anybody who was close to him. I mean, there's so many that were close to him. Like, sometimes I forget how many people he touched until, like, the day of his passing, like, the anniversary of his passing, where everybody starts putting stuff up on uh, social media. You know, and then I start realizing, like, oh, wow, he... He, he was cool with that person or that person. He did have a moment with this person and that person. So, this kind of shows you, like, it's, I think it's been about five years and people, just like yesterday. Uh, yeah, I think it was just say, I, I try to forget sometimes, but April 11th, yeah, he just starts, like, trending on Twitter and yeah. Instagram and stuff. It's been five years. Shows you how many people he touched. Now, you mentioned... Like, Ar- being hit. You, you mentioned- know what I mean? Just by being him, by being the lovable, funny guy, he had a laugh. That was amazing. But anyway, guys, sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. You're fine. So you mentioned that uh, you st- you argue with with the people you're closest with, you know, your brothers and stuff like that. So with that said. I think we need you to argue your point here in <laughs> okay. regards to uh, your thoughts on Superman, Batman, a.k.a. why we got this all put together in the first place. On Twitter, you were talking about Superman and Batman, how you felt about it. So I feel and like by, this is the perfect opportunity to state your argument. And by the way, before we get too far into this, before he starts up so we can begin the discussion. Right. I love the fact that since, I, since you know, because I, I, we obviously follow you on Twitter... I, I would never have pegged you to be quite in the same geek level as myself and, and, and Mr. Romero here in the room. But you, you've put up a, we, we've got Batman Superman. You just put up uh, that your team cap and we're going to have a conversation about that one <laughs> among many other things. So I, I am very impressed yeah. with, you, with your geeky side, sir. I found a picture a couple months ago that a friend, like years ago, that a friend took of me on the street corner. There's me hanging out on the street corner with a with a CD, like a big CD player, like boombox on top of a on top of a phone, <laughs> on top of a public phone, and me with you know a cigarette in my mouth, but I was reading Punisher. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, with, a two, with, with a Tupac shirt on, so that that's me. That's true. That picture was me, and that that picture was me in a nutshell. Have you have you watched the new season of Daredevil yet? Oh yeah, I watched both seasons. Okay. Yeah, I said the day the day it came out, I had a flight. Thank God for the iPad. <laughs> I uh, before I took off, I had I watched like five episodes. When I landed, I went to the show, found a place with Wi-Fi, watched like another five, and then it was you know time to wrestle, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> so see, yeah, I definitely saw saw both seasons already. Nice. Okay. You, I was gonna say, what did you think of uh, of the performance of the Punisher in uh, in Daredevil season two? I think that that guy now is forever gonna be known as the definitive. Really? Uh, Punisher. 
You think he's doing better work than Dolph Lundgren in 1995? Yes. Yeah. Let, let's say Come the on. Yeah. Come on. He and, colored his hair black for that and, role. And by the way, for those of you who played the drinky, the IndyCast <laughs> drinking game at home, please take a drink for Zach making a Dolph Lundgren Punisher reference. Thank you. It's underrated is all I'm saying. Yeah, where, where he's uh, sitting naked Indian I think that was like the opening of the movie too. So yeah. like I haven't seen that movie in years. <laughs> that was good. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed that you could recall it. But then again, when you see Dolph Lundgren sitting Indian style naked, do you ever really scrub that <laughs> image out of your head? Does that ever really go away? That's, no. That's, that's ingrained on your brain, like like when you when you left the like a, a VHS tape paused on your TV for too long back True. in the day. Just burned it would just the image, burn yeah. that image into your. So into so let's, so Eddie, let's talk about Superman vs. Batman. So what did you think of it overall? <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I've seen it twice. I'm actually going to go see it again because I'm just like so confused about certain aspects of it. Um, I thought it was That's hysterical. That's hysterical that that's when we would lose that. Yeah. We literally thought you were fucking with us. <laughs> you were like, you were like, it was like, it was the ultimate cliffhanger. You're like, here, I'm summing it up all real quick, and then just silence. And we're like, holy shit, is he sweating us out? Like, what is going on right now? So, so your major, so the last thing you legitimately said was my major gripe was, and then it went dead on us. So. We'll leave it in. Wouldn't I would say, I would say, we'll let our audience also shit their pants waiting for you to answer <laughs> what the question is. Silence, silence. That's amazing. So what? So what was the, the world? Eddie Kingston. The world needs to know what was your biggest gripe about this goddamn movie. Zach. Bottom line, Zach Snyder. He is my major gripe. Really? That dude can. That dude can do great visual action and. All that stuff, and he can direct something that's already, like, like a comic book that's already on the page, like 300 and watch me. He can do that because the story's already there. But when he has to direct a story or do a story, I don't believe he can do it. There were so many times that, like, in my head, I was like, okay, so before they fight, can they talk a little bit? Like, I wanted more Batman and Superman talk to talk more. Mm-hmm. Before they got into it, like I wanted to know more about 
what's that what's that man's gripe and what's Superman's gripe before they start going. And the other thing that bogged the shit out of me even the second time around was the editing at the end of the movie, especially. Hmm. So uh spoilers just in case anyone <laughs> That's fair, that's fair. Spoilers, you know, now. During the fight, Wonder Woman comes in, awesome. Then they cut to Lois Lane. And I go, why are they cutting here? Then they cut back to the fight with Doomsday. Then they cut back to Lois Lane. Then they cut back to the fight. And then they cut back. And I was like, Jesus. Just stay on the fight. (laughs) Just stay on the fight. We didn't need that much of Lois Lane. We didn't need that much. And the whole ending sequence, in one minute they, they, they cut to, like, after the funeral, and then they cut back to the funeral, where it's happened talking day, and they, they cut, it's just a lot of bad ending. And then, um, I was surprised, again, spoilers, that they killed Superman off. I was like, that's pretty awesome. And I was like, okay, I give them that, they did it, that's real ballsy, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta admit, the, it's, you know, you're killing off character, the guy, you know? True. I'm a Batman guy, but let's be honest, if it wasn't for Superman, there would be no Batman and so on and so forth. True. So I'm like, often they're doing that angle, that story, because that's pretty cool. And then, right at the end, it gets, the dark starts to rise. And I went, well, they go back. <laughs> we so, all know Superman comes back. We all know this. You know what I mean? It's, we all know it. We didn't need the dark to start rising up. That to me kind of... So you're saying they like, they kind of like undercut, they kind of undercut the the shock value of it. What's up? I said they kind of undercut the shock value of it. If they had just killed him and then end credits, that's shocking, but going, no, no, it's okay, It's he's okay, he's okay, that kind of, that takes away some of that punch. Yeah. Uh, then I saw the deleted scene that they put up on the internet. Where they have the Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor character talking to somebody, the dark side, uh, brother or something, a minion or whatever, talking to him, so it's kind of like, oh, no wonder he knows that that's coming at the end of the movie. And they didn't put that in the movie! They decided to edit that out, but then leave Lois Lane drowning him. I, I don't know. I don't know what they left. In there, that was just that was a uh, a bad call, in my opinion. Anyway. Interesting. And for the most part, when it comes when it comes to dead comic book characters, there's really only I think is it officially three that actually stay dead. It's Uncle Ben from Spider Man and Bruce Wayne's parents. Mm-hmm. Everybody Basically, else comes yeah. back at yeah. some point. Well, and so. everybody else on Krypton, but yeah, pretty much. Well, but even the Krypton like yeah. was in some like pocket universe for a little while, mm-hmm. so that's a load of shit too. But this. But no, I agree. I agree with Eddie. I think they, they could have left it just him in the casket gone. Because like you said, everybody knows he's going to come back. There's right. no like grand like, oh, everyone yeah. except for like six-year-old kids know that Superman's coming right. back. And that can be yeah. remedied by their parent going, don't worry, he comes back, I promise. Right. Um, and then there's and my other problem. Oh, there's more. But uh, you know what's funny? I, I tell you all these problems, but I actually didn't mind the movie. I just think it could... It, just seeing it, it, it could have been done. They had the opportunity to do it so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, like, to me, seeing that deleted scene even made me realize, like, yeah, but that should have been left in. I 
don't think Zack Snyder knows how to edit a movie together, let alone tell a story. But he can do great visuals. You know, but you know, the other thing, too, that bothered me was whoever at, and I, and I said this on Twitter, whoever at WB who did the trailer for this should be, like, like shot and hung or murdered <laughs> at least. Because they, they said, oh, that's not the last thing in Doomsday, and that's not, like, the final thing or the final act. And it was. So they blatantly lied to us and said, oh, no, Doomsday's not the last thing. And then he was. In my head, like, when I watched it, I thought, oh, that's cool, Doomsday's reveal. Wish they didn't put that in the trail. Right. Or when Wonder Woman came in and blocked the thing, and it was like, I wish they didn't put that in the trailer. Like, she still got a reaction. And in the movie theater, people were caught. I was like, all right, cool, but I bet you imagine if that wasn't in the trailer. Right, that people would have they, lost their minds. Really, yeah, yeah, they did not take a cue from Star Wars. It's true. You know what I mean? Where you didn't, I, that's why I think a lot of people also like this, this last Star Wars, because you went in, everything was a surprise. Because you had no idea what was going on because of the trailers. That's true, and I guess it's 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 more the, the like WB and these companies, they don't have the confidence to go like, look, we're just going to give them a little taste, and then the movie itself, they'll, they'll have to come see it. They go, well, let's go ahead and just soothe everybody's concerns and say, look, we got this in the movie, and look, we got this in the movie, and don't worry, Wonder Woman's in the movie, and Doom's in the movie too, and then it's like, what they don't realize is, well, now you've just ruined the whole movie, right? and now there's no incentive to go see it. Yeah, but like I said, I still enjoyed Doomsday coming out, and I still enjoyed the Wonder Woman thing, and I still enjoyed the Batman fight scenes and stuff. But again, imagine if we didn't see it, how much more enjoyable it would have been. Now, see, and I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people don't like Jesse Eisberg as Black Luther. I do, and my reasoning behind it is because nowadays, if you're really gonna have a villain nowadays. He's going to be like the Facebook guy. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's going to be that millennial kind of bad guy. True. You're not going to have that old school, hoo-hoo-ha-ha, you know, I want to take over the world guy. You're going to have like this internet savvy, hawker, whatever you want to call it, kind of uh, egomania kind of villain. More so than the old school type of villain you think. It's a different time in era now. His Lex Luthor is not the Lex Luthor in the comics. It's not the Lex Luthor in past movies. This one is, uh, is a different take on it. It's basically what Lex Luthor would be today. Now, I also heard a lot of people saying, well, what was his motivation? His motivation was never given. To me, the one scene that kind of made me see his motivation was when he was at the banquet, I think it was, or whatever he was doing, and they brought him up to do a speech. And while he's doing the speech, Batman... Bruce Wayne, whatever, does his thing. You know, we're trying to sneak around and all that. And then they cut, they cut back to it, and he's still doing his speech, and he's getting upset at himself because he keeps messing up the speech. So he has all these people waiting there for him to finish the speech. To me, that just shows how ego-driven he is and how important he thinks he is. So to me, that's motivation mm. by itself. That's a good point. You know, like- I mean, like, someone can be that, that ego-driven 
that they got to take out somebody like Superman or something. You know what I mean? And the funny thing is, then being in the wrestling business, you meet a lot of people like that. <laughs> that are so ego-driven, big, and they just, you know what I mean, they can't get out of their own way. You know, to me, that was that was one of the ways he showed his motivation. And then also, too, just him being, you know, one to be better than his father. I know he had a scene where he's walking with the senator. And, like, to me, even him saying how much, he, you know, his father did this and his father was that. To me, that's even more motivation for him to try to be like, hey, guess what? My my dad may have done this and that, but did he ever, like, fuck up Superman or something? You know what I mean? Or whatever, you, right. whatever his, his endgame was. No, that's a good point. So that, to me, was enough, was enough motivation. Um, and there's so much I can go on because... I, yeah, I think it's the reason why I could go on this more than any other movie is because I wanted it to work so bad. Mm-hmm. Now, that's why I think I paid attention so much to, to things. Like, it almost reminds me of, like, The Phantom Menace when that first came out. And, like, you wanted that Star Wars movie to be good, so you just analyzed everything, and then when you were finally done, you realized there's no way I could take it. <laughs> I can't spin this. And, and I just and actually I just tried to rewatch that movie fairly Phantom Menace, not Batman vs Superman. Um, I just tried to watch Phantom Menace not that long ago. Even with the riff tracks back, you know, back in comedy, that movie has still got awful. It's well, just a bad movie. Yeah, it's, yeah. It sucks to say it, but it's a bad movie. It's, you know what's crazy? I actually watched Phantom Menace uh, last week on the way to England. I was like, oh, let me give it, a, and I had to change it. Yeah, I was about to say, did you did you need help getting to sleep? Is that what is that why you played that one? It's, it's better than Nightwell, I'm telling you. I actually put it on just for just for the hell of it, and then I, I think it was some point where George Urbanks was talking to his people or something. I just went, oh my god, this is oh my god, this is unbelievable, like that. And I was just like, okay, what what other movie can I see on this plane? <laughs> Let me find something quick. Well, I remember and I watched Creed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Creed. Let's talk about that. Because you on Twitter that I that I teared up three times watching Creed. I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not gonna tell anyone any scenes where I got choked up. But Sylvester Stallone and those Todd beautiful Rocky movies always get me. Except for Rocky Five, that was horrible. But every Rocky movie at some point in time I get choked up. Just I don't know why, it's just it's that good. That emotional for me anyway. And you're absolutely Maybe correct. Because that box, as, a, as a kid, that's probably why. And you're absolutely correct, except for Rocky Five, which is really just this is dog shit. You, you tried to forget that one even happened. If you if you could go from uh, Rocky Four and like the you know celebrating in the ring in the middle of Russia, he ended the Cold War, right. man. Right. He ended the Cold War. But if he could go from that right to Rocky Balboa, you're set. That's, that's true. Fine. It's, it's, it's Oh which no! Is, easy, no which, easy way out. Yeah, which is so interesting because they changed That's it up. You you uh, you uh, had a different music direction in the fourth one because the other one was all the same. Gonna fly now, and they were kind of reusing variations of the song. Right. Four is they really changed that soundtrack for the eighties. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And no, there's some awesome like training montage songs oh, in God, that yeah. soundtrack. That's the, that's the back and forth with them, like you know, Stallone in the middle of Siberia. Yeah, and, he's uh, lifting logs. He's growing the man how beard. How great was that? How about when he's in his car just driving and he's seeing Apollo thing? 
Oh my god. Okay, alright. So, well, before we get into this Rocky talk, which, by the way, this is literally like Christmas for me that we're going to talk about <laughs> Rocky movies. Um, Eddie, what would be your... What, what, I know it's a tough decision, but um, which is your favorite of the, of the, of the films? What, the Rocky films? Yeah, yeah. Of all the Rockies, which is your absolute favorite? Oh, man. Man. I tell you, the first one still gets me. The first one at the end still gets me. So, and it was also, I remember seeing that as a kid and still to this day, to me, Sylvester Stallone's like the greatest booker in movie history. Because <laughs> he knew if, the, if he went over, there would be no Rocky two. So he had to put himself under to get a Rocky two. So I, I, I really got to put the first one up there. Like, if I had to rank them, like, I'd, I'll just go top three. To me, the top three is, like, the, the first Rocky, Rocky, Rocky two, and then Rocky four. That's where I would put, like, the first, like, the top three of it. So you find, you find four? The rematch and two and all that stuff. It was just, you know, and then Apollo Creed dying and four spoilers. Come on, it's Rocky four. If you haven't seen Rocky four yet, something's wrong with your life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> really, honestly, you need to, like, so so uh arts and crafts project for me now i gotta go print out a new cover for my dvd of rocky four and that's what it's gonna say on the back that if you're if you haven't seen rocky four you need to reevaluate your life <laughs> credit eddie really case that i think just cool or ebert one of those two guys actually said that already <laughs> Well, I gotta say, as much as I love, I love Rocky Four. Like I love the just how big it gets, and right. that it's definitely a product of its time. There's a goddamn robot butler in the fourth one. Like it's so awesomely eighties. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely, it was definitely an eighties movie. It was definitely an eighties movie. But I have to say, yeah, and the Rocky character is so likable. But okay, anyway. <laughs> but I, I have to say, as much as I love Four, I put Two above it. Just because that is okay. the that is the one that sets the formula for all the rest of the movies. Because there's yeah. the Rocky doubting himself, there's the training montage, there's the win. After that second one. But and I don't care how like on the nose it is, if you're watching Rocky Two and Adrian wakes up out of her coma and then and she's oh, been yeah. telling Rocky yeah, she's been telling Rocky, "Don't fight." And Paulie's like, "You got uh, mix like you got to train Rock." And he's like, "No, I'm not gonna do it." And then she gets out of the coma <laughs> and she tells him to win. And then Mick goes, "What are we waiting on?" I jump out of my goddamn seat every single time, <laughs> like it's the first time I saw it. <laughs> oh, son of, are you kidding me? Oh, we're making such good progress. No, he wants to. He wants us to get it going. So let's. Cell service. Gotta love it. Right. Please leave your message. Oh, no! He's probably trying to call us. Let's okay, wait. Okay, okay. Don't worry, dozens and dozens. We'll get, we'll continue this here. I'm, I hate cell service some days. Oh, oh, don't you kid yourself. Eddie Kingston did not, his phone did not just drop this call. He was so hyped about Rocky Two, he threw his phone on the ground. probably the cheapest thing I could get. No, I just imagine that you just you did the big fist pump in the air like it's the end of the movie, and you hit the the, the end call button by mistake, and you're like, "Oh shit!" and you had to call us back. No, yeah, but we we okay. Let's get back on Rocky. Don't worry about my bad cell phone. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we got a burner. I got to fill this phone out at some point. <laughs> now, now I don't want to. Uh, he just compared his phone to a burner phone. I love <laughs> yeah. it. So, so I, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to pigeonhole Eddie Kingston to be like, oh, the wrestling guy has to like wrestling. But I find it interesting that in your I, top three, you do not include the one that has wrestling in it. But you got to remember, he did say he did say Hogan turned him off. Well, that's true. He, 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 he always won. Always won. Right. So, so he's not a fan of Thunderlips in the flesh. Yeah, I just I don't, I don't know. I just to me, the thing is the best part of that whole entire Rocky Three, even as a kid when I saw it was Mister T, and they asked him about the fight. What is the diction was, and he was like, "Pain." <laughs> that's such a good line. The greatest answer ever. Anything. Well, so, and, and he has one of the greatest names ever, Clubber Lang. How do you not like? That's just awesome. And then you know the movie Creed's up there too. So and Rocky. Right. Rocky Three, which which uh, also did in, introduce the the infamous uh, Rocky statue that that is that's uh, true. still that sat in front of the Spectrum for many years before they uh, blew that up, and now it's in front of the Philadelphia Art Museum. Right. So if you ever because it's truly a masterpiece, it, 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 I've, I've got many pictures by that. <laughs> well, thing, I was going to say the other so. thing. The thing I love about Rocky Three is uh, when they're trying to Clubber Lang's like gunning for Rocky, and he won't fight him. And he's like, oh, I got better things to do, and he's not going to fight him. And the catalyst is that Clubber Lang looks at Adrian and just says, let me show you what a real man is. And Rocky's like, I'll kill you, you son of a bitch. Like, that's all he needed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, woman. <laughs> hey, woman. <laughs> oh, now I have to watch all of these movies again. Yeah, Damn well, it. I totally have to go watch these again. They're uh, great movies. I'm definitely going to, after this conversation, I'm definitely going to go look through my DVDs and see... Well, the first Rocky I see besides five, I'll put in. <laughs> right, exactly. If you if you pick up five first, then you'll use that as a drink coaster, and right. then you'll put then you'll find another one and go watch that instead. Yeah. I know a lot of fans are probably like, "Wow, Eddie King's familiar with the movie." Let me tell you something. Every wrestler, I think, likes movies or should like movies because there's more storytellers, just like just like the movie actors and the writers of the movies are. You know, we're we're basically the same. That means strippers sometimes with a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so real quick, why uh, why Team Cap? Oh, I, 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 I put that on there because Leonard F. Chikarsen, who I, I can, you're not going to hear me say this a lot, but I consider him a friend. He was Team Iron Man, so just to be an asshole, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I love the reasoning. I just felt like being a dick. Right? Well, and to be fair, to be fair, the movie's not even out yet, so it's right. like, you know. Yeah, yeah, I just I just saw him do that because his, uh, his son, who is a, his little boy is amazing, is a Team Iron Man because they got fighting. And uh, I said, okay, I'm going to be Team Cap to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, you better show up with like a Captain America shirt on and be like, do we got a problem? Are you kidding? I want him to... I don't know if you guys have interviewed Leonard Carson. You should, especially when it comes to comics and comic book movies and movies in general, but... I'll tell you a funny story. When when I first met his son, his son was like two two years old, and I looked at him and I said, "Hey, baby, what's up?" And then he started bawling his eyes out crying. So, <laughs> always oh, a good introduction. Uh, met each other. 
So, yeah. so Leonard, Leonard, if you're listening, please email us at indycast.gmail.com. We would love to have you on. If you would so, also like to be on a wrestling uh, podcast that's not talking about wrestling and is only talking but, about movies, please let us know. But isn't that kind of our MO lately? That's true. We start like, we do like 10, 15 minutes of wrestling just to make sure it's still then, a wrestling podcast. And then we'll just bullshit and then around. completely off the rails. Speaking uh, of off the rails, now... Now, we started this by saying that after uh, a, a good gym workout, that Eddie Kingston, he likes to, he likes to uh, oh, look think, after his nutrition. I think I see where you're going Get some grilled chicken in him. But... I have a bad feeling about let's, this, uh, one, by the way. Let's, uh, let's continue that train of thought. So, this is the Trevin Adams Memorial question. Uh, when you're on the road, Eddie, and, and uh, you're traveling with, with your crew, and uh, you're starving, you're starving on the road, and you've you got to stop to grab something to eat. There are two major choices in this world. There is Sheets and there is Wawa. Which do you prefer when you're on the road? Sheets. Sheets. Oh, oh. Oh, my God. I didn't think I was going to win that one, and I did. I love it. Eddie, you disappoint me this day. I like mac and cheese and chili. It's the the mac and cheese wins it again. Sheets mac and that's the third one in a row that's one and four be based on the mac and cheese alone. Uh, I love it. God damn it. God bless America, I love it. Because of Sheets mac and cheese, they win they win hands down. When I can't find the sheets and I and I see a Wawa, I go in, I get a protein called quest ball and a energy drink. And I just go, okay, I'm out of here. But you can get that, <laughs> but you can get that at a 7-11. You, can get that at a 7-11. you uh, don't need Wawa for that. You need sheets for that amazing mac and cheese. I believe... You want to have a cheat meal if you're in the road and you don't have the show the next day and it's Sunday. And you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I really want a cheat meal now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. In the morning when I get up, you go with the mac and cheese or the sheets, man. I love it. So disappointing. Actually, now hold on, let me ask you one other, let me continue on the food related briefly here, okay. because uh, obviously Eddie has wrestled a lot in Philadelphia, is mm-hmm. uh, CZW uh, you know, regular for quite a while. Um, uh, where do you go to get your cheesesteak when you're in Philly? On your cheat days. Well, uh, after the CZW shows, when they were at the arena, I used to always go to Tony Luke. That's the... But, uh, after the Chicago shows in Philly, when all the boys want to hang out, and I really don't hang out with a lot of them because I don't like them, but some of the guys I do like at Chicago, so I'll hang out with them. There's a couple places on, uh, I think 8th, is it 8th Street or something like that? It's right, it's, there's a couple there, but most, 9 out of 10 times I'm going to Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's is, of course, also, as I've said many times before, also the correct answer to that question. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I actually just had my 10th, my 10th wedding anniversary, my wife and I went to Philly, and I made her stop so we could get Tony Luke's while we were out there. <laughs> That's how sad I am about Tony Luke's. That's right. I, it's right near the arena, it's, it's a good in and out. I've never given him a fake name before. I should do that next time I'm out there. I didn't even think about that. So. No, every time I go, every time I go, I say Megatron, and they just look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're just the regular, though. So like, all right, well, there he is. So, um, yeah, they, 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 they say hello to me. They go, I know Mr. Tom. I go, I'm good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now, uh, wait, I just want to get a, take care of a couple last uh, second questions that some of our oh, uh, dozens of dozens sent in. Um, uh, one listener asked if you're going to have any backup for you when you go back to uh, NYWC to face Stockade. Um, they were they were concerned that you're going to have backup with you next time you show up. <laughs> no, I'll go to. I'm good. 
I'm good on my own. Yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless, 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 unless my boy Amasai calls me up and he feels like busting somebody up, then he'll come. But other than that, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I know Sake. I'm, I'm good. And, and actually, you know, quick question because you mentioned Homicide. You and Homicide, uh, for a little while, were doing the, the Outlaw Incorporated tag team in Ring of Honor, which was actually one of my favorite things for a while in Ring of Honor. But that that seemed to, like, start and then disappear. Was there any story behind that, or just you guys decided not to work Ring of Honor anymore? Uh, it, was, uh, it was a useful decision. Okay. Uh, yeah, we reached uh, uh, certain... It was basically we just... Ring of Honor reached the level, and we reached the level, and we were just kind of like, okay, we should go our separate ways for right now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's any hard feelings. Maybe they don't like us, but I don't, I don't have any hard feelings because I thought we left on uh, pretty good terms. Because like the the shirts and ties and like the clown mask, and the, just the way you guys were presenting that was so kind of you know out of left field from what you would expect normally from you in Homicide, but it, it worked out so well. It was. That's why I definitely loved that, you know, the way you guys were running that for a bit, and I was sad to see it end so quickly. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was just, you know, we both sides couldn't agree on certain things, and we were just like, okay, it's better mm-hmm. off to leave on good terms than leave on bad. Right. I think if we would have stayed any longer, I think it would have probably ended very badly. Uh, so. Somebody would have said something shitty about Eddie Gilbert, then there yeah, would have been problems, and that's yeah, not, you don't want that. You know, I'm in the back with a baseball bat. Yeah, they would have been <laughs> uh, Last question here was, was from uh, uh, former guest of the IndyCast, Matt Wadsworth. Oh, dear. Um, talking about AIW, he wanted us to mention your mortal enemy, Frank Fantastic. Uh, so I thought I'd give you the opportunity to say anything you'd like about him. <laughs> I'm all about Frankie? Yeah. About Frankie, Frankie. I can't say nothing bad about the guy. You know what I mean? He has a lot of heart. He's very young in the game. Uh, I tried to kill him a couple times. You know what I mean? Just like guys did to me when I first broke in. You know what I mean, man? So I got to give him credit for that. But I was trying to put a hole to his chest. and You know what I mean? He he, he hung in there, man. He hung in there. So I got to give him credit. So there's... Even guys who are supposedly big tough guys when I... Go in there thinking, all right, I'm gonna give them a couple of lumps to see where they're at, and they crumble and they and they start covering up. I go, okay, but you know, Frank you took it like a man. Everything I hit him with, he stood there and took it. So, so, so there you go, I, Matt. <laughs> the, the quote: "I have nothing bad to say about the kid. I didn't try to kill him, though." Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, it, I, I don't think that's bad. I didn't try to kill him. I just tried to fuck him up a little bit. Like, you know, I, I had the same thing happen to me, man. You know what I mean? I had to. I have to take it. So, well, uh, one, Mr. Uh, Zach Romero. Oh. I believe this is the time in the episode where we go to the the moment that has made us... <laughs> Almost sorta, famous. Kind of, sort of famous. The infamous IndyCast last famous two, two questions. questions. I will now hand it off to you, sir. So, Eddie Kingston. Oh, and you know what? This is going to be extra bittersweet. Um, one of the questions we ask everybody here is, uh, unfortunately... In professional wrestling, we lose a lot of talent early, and, and we just lost uh, ECW, who had Balls Mahoney, Balls Mahoney. Just, just this past week, unfortunately. 44, no less. Yeah. God damn. Um, so, you know, unfortunately in this business, we do lot, lose a lot of talent um, before their time. So with that said, if, if, there was, if there was anybody who's no longer with us that you would have wanted to work with, who would that be and why? 
that's pretty easy for me. You know, first of all, rest in peace. The ball's my only, like, uh, I, I put it up on my Twitter, the poem, uh, No Man's an Island. But, you know, you didn't even really need to know Paul, uh, Mahoney and wrestling just to realize that you lost somebody who was a, who was a brother in this, in, in this business. And like the poem says, you know, No Man's an Island is when we lose somebody, everyone feels it. So, mm-hmm. you know, first of all, rest in peace, and especially, you know, the, it's a sad situation, you know what I mean? I, I hope he finds peace and uh, I actually really do pray for his family that they also find some uh, some peace as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, the, the that question is always pretty easy. I always see Eddie Gilbert either team up with him or choose with him that would, you know what I mean, would, have, would be something great. Or even, you know, if he was alive right now, maybe having him book a place that I'm working at. You know, so wow. that would be something I would like. And the, the funny thing is about Eddie Gilbert, I was actually listening to somebody else's podcast <laughs> who doesn't need any type of advertising from us. <laughs> kind of rhymes with Schmoltz Shimana. Right. Um, but uh, he had on Missy Hyatt, mm-hmm. and obviously they mm-hmm. were together for a while, and she talked about how Eddie had turned down, I think, a fairly decent contract from WWF at the time. Because he would rather have booked a smaller company, he, he was he was he, he enjoyed the booking aspect of it so much that he would turn down bigger paydays to continue booking because that was really like the creative side of it was infinitely more interesting to him than the you know get famous for being a wrestler side. And I always I found that very interesting in that conversation that that was kind of where his love and passion was, and it, it's too bad that. He passed when he did because I would love to. He could be. He easily would be up there with guys that you know when they mention guys like Paul Heyman being mm-hmm. um, influential. Obviously, one. Eddie Gilbert was was one of those too. So great, great choice yeah, on that one. And also, also side note, I think what well, we're almost at a hundred episodes here. We've had guests from all over. That's the first time we've ever had anybody answer that with not only wrestle with them, but I would have liked to have been booked by them. Right. Like that's the first time that's ever come up as an as a. As an answer, so I'm very impressed on that front as well. And slightly disappointed, that's the first time Betty Gilbert's come up, too, for, for mm, that question, true. I think, which is too bad, because that's, that's definitely somebody I think a lot of people don't, because I think the newer fans just may not know who they is. Go to your net, go to the network and look Eddie Gilbert up every oh, Yeah, go watch Eddie Gilbert, go watch uh, <coughs> Rocky Two, and then uh, and then finish this. Right. Um, no, so uh, final question here, and then, uh, and then we, we all get our collective shit in. That's right. So, Eddie, here at the IndyCast, we believe that every animal in nature has certain evolutionary traits that ensure its survival. Giraffes have long necks, rhinos have the horns, etc., etc. Our belief is that humans, as a creature, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, with that said, Eddie Kingston, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? That was a good one. <laughs> we, uh, I, would we, really like to, I would like to fight a gorilla. Okay. Awesome. Okay. What do you fight the gorilla with? And I, I say, I say no weapon. <laughs> just as, just as much. I would like to, I would like to see if maybe I can, maybe take the gorilla's eye out with my finger or, you know, <laughs> just beat it with my bare hands, like. Nice. And, you, know, and, you, you say we evolved because we can use tools, but I think we're. 
human beings are the most uh, the scariest, most conniving mammals, animals in the world. So I like to fight a gorilla one on one. Yes. Just to, and just to sum up here, the IndyCast, we are here to ask hard-hitting questions. <laughs> like, one, what animal would you fight? <laughs> Two, which Rocky was the best? Three, how does my Quackabush smell? Those are the questions that we ask. Those are questions I will never, ever forget. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that, I think. So, uh, Eddie, this is the time in the show where uh, that we lovingly refer to as Get your shit in. So if there's anything you would like to hype, uh, Twitter, Pro Wrestling Tea Shop, anything like that, uh, please, the floor is yours. Yeah, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, uh, Slash Eddie Kingston. I got a couple cool shirts out there. I'm very simple with the design. You know what I mean? I try to make t-shirts that I think, like, well, that would be kind of cool to see someone wearing in the street or out in the bar or something. So yeah, Pro Wrestling Tees, Slash Eddie Kingston, Slash, whatever the fuck. when we have a guest who doesn't come in our area that often, please somehow get booked in Florida. Yeah, We're please. in the Tampa area. Uh, Orlando <laughs> is fine as well. We, we're willing to make the journey. We, we will travel. So. Well, if you guys, you know, play me in the right direction of a good place, you know, and, and, and they're ready to do business, I'll definitely be there. Trevin Adams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we will... We'll throw you under the bus here. Yes, right. that's right. We're going to book more of Trevin's shows. Right. We Whether we do that. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, Eddie, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope everybody... Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, this has been a blast. <laughs> so. Hope everybody uh, got their free trial of Netflix started so they can go watch all the Rocky movies. Yeah, and, right. uh, 
And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get uh, much more of your opinions on Twitter when uh, Civil War comes out. We might have to have him back on for some more. Yeah, we might have to. You know what? We should have Eddie Kingston's movie reviews. Um, so <laughs> I think that needs to be a segment. That's amazing. <laughs> we can we're definitely work that out. I will. I will PM you this one. We'll all right. make that happen. <clears throat> so well, anyway, so I, thank you all for listening to the IndieCast. I am Zach Romero. I'm Chad Allen. No yeah. Luna here. Right. So. Deuces. Thank you for listening to the IndieCast. If you'd like to support Cult of Kayfabe, go to Pro Wrestling Tees for the official KOK shirts, or go to cultofkayfabe.com to find the Amazon buy links. If you want to show your support as one of the dozens of dozens for the IndieCast, find us pretty much on all social media platforms at IndieCast. And finally, you can go to fullygimmick.com for our exclusive shirts, including but not limited to references like Team Wawa and awesome merchandise for our brand ambassadors and the best characters in independent wrestling. And now, bring on the clip show. What the fuck is going on? Suck my ball, you son of a bitch. I put the matches over big. And you can mail my check for $50 to the Sportatorium. Way to stick it in. God, I love his weird naked pictures. If you don't love the IndyCast, quite frankly, you can bite my ass.